Welcome back to the Socks and Four podcast. We are brought to you by Ride the Wave Media and presented by One in One Hundred. And One in One Hundred is the only online raffle website giving fans and experienced seekers the chance to win tickets to live sporting events, concerts, music festivals, and more. Whether it be from your desktop or mobile device, winning tickets to your favorite events has never been so easy and fun. Choose your desired event, purchase a raffle ticket into the draw, and you can be the lucky winner. Uh, shout out to One in One Hundred for for keeping us afloat, keeping the the baseball content coming out from MLB's hot corner. I'm happy enough to, or not even happy enough, but I just started using One in One Hundred's website. I got my first ticket, um, or first raffle entry from their website for for the upcoming Bruins season while I'm while I'm in town in a few weeks. So why not throw your name into the draw, see if you win, or if not, the worst thing that happens is you lose and you got to get a real ticket. But best thing that could possibly happen is you win a ticket for super cheap, and it's definitely worth it. Um, so shout out to one in 100, uh, welcome back to the 17th episode of the socks and four podcast presented once again by ride the wave media. My name is Brandon, uh, co-host Dan with us today, and this is the postseason show. Uh, last time you guys were with us, we were predicting what could have happened in this wild postseason. Uh, started right before the, the American league wildcard and national league wildcard games that Definitely filled expectations. I think starting back, looking at those those games and to where we are today, right before the World Series starting tomorrow night, uh, it's definitely been a fun ride and probably one of the most exciting uh, roads in October we, I've seen in a while, for sure. That didn't include the Red Sox, of course, but still fun to cheer for these teams nonetheless and watch some of, like, some of the best teams in baseball go head-to-head. Let's see. So we'll start today with some some Red Sox talk. There's not a lot of it, but we are the Sox and Four podcast, so we are contractually obligated to speak about these these uh, these Red Sox. They're just forget last season, forget it ever happened. We're on to on to 2020, um, but that doesn't go without speaking about the whole Mookie Betts, JD Martinez situation that's going to be hanging over all the Red Sox nation's heads for the next few weeks or so. So the World Series does start this week, and contractually, JD Martinez is still on the team for at least the next next week, next two weeks or so. Uh, as soon as the World Series does conclude, though, that's when the that's when the clock starts ticking and the ball will really start rolling for the the offseason this year for the Boston Red Sox. JD Martinez has that opportunity to, to opt out of his his crazy uh, max contract that he signed back in spring training two years ago that really was the the filler for for David Ortiz um, being that replacement that middle of the order big power bat that provided um, that like I said that shadow that David Ortiz left once he retired but definitely saw the results of that being back in the lineup immediately seeing what the Red Sox were able to do in his very first season in Boston but like management said and like we've talked about in the past five episodes the the Red Sox management is looking to narrow this this payroll, uh, start slicing slicing everything away that needs to uh, to go to get below that luxury first luxury tax threshold, and so that this team is affordable for John Henry in the new, near future. Um, they don't want to be paying all that extra luxury tax money, and if JD Martinez does end up opting out of his contract, that will definitely um, take a big burden off of it. What do you think the What do you think the Red Sox would do if J.D. Martinez does end up opting out, Dan. I don't know. It definitely puts them in a sticky situation because mm-hmm. I feel like the DH position is one of the, um, you know, it's it's a tough position to find just in the in the free agency market, you know, year by year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we saw it before as Ortiz retired, the home run numbers went down. 
they were missing that power bat and you know we got him in JD but if he leaves that definitely leaves a big hole in the uh, lineup and adds to the the mountain of problems the Red Sox already have yeah I would say there's a lot of different opinions and views about this whole JD Martinez debate um, we've definitely had it every show since the the season concluded but I think it would be in the long run if if this this luxury tax thing ends up being the biggest draw for the the decisions for the offseason for for the Red Sox. I think if JD does end up opting out of his contract and leaving about 60 million dollars on the table um, in this future, I'm pretty sure he'll be able to find that somewhere else especially with the offensive numbers he put up. But uh, we posted about this on on the the Hot Corner Instagram a few weeks ago about the the teams that JD could potentially end up on that are still young. They're like there might be one power bat away from being in postseason contention. Um, I think we talked about looking at the Chicago White Sox opposite the Red Sox, just bleach them a little bit. And JD could very well find himself playing on the south, south side, north side. I don't know Chicago, but playing in Chicago for one of the franchises. And especially with the young bats, the guy that won the, the AL batting title this year over there in Tim Anderson, that team is really exciting. Um, it's young. It's fun. They got uh, from the Chris Sale trade that Yon, Yon Minkata um, that team's going to be definitely in contention. It's they were in the, they were in the Philly tank situation long, long time, but the results are finally starting to show from it from from dealing and selling. Um, so the Chicago White Sox are definitely on on the the up and up. They're going to be one of those rising contenders in the next few years, especially if JD ends up opting out and being a veteran presence in their lineup and just changing his the color of his socks. Do you think is there anywhere else you think JD? might find himself in that it's kind of hard to think about a spot that you would really need in the in the American League because the NL doesn't have the the DH role but JD is definitely not the best um, defender of all time especially when we put him out in the outfield when one of our outfielders ends up taking the day off or getting an off day whatever it may be but JD is definitely not in a lineup for his defense he's definitely there solely for to hit to hit dangers and to to get his team on the board um so is there anywhere else, Dan, that you think that J.D. could end up in the American League besides Chicago? Um, that's a good question. I think, as you said, Chicago is definitely the number one other mm-hmm. option and right fit for him. But, I mean, it's hard because you, you, it's not just, you know, you have to have the DH and B in the AL, but it, you also have to be a team that has, you know, the money. Because if he's leaving, he obviously mm-hmm. wants that big paycheck. And, you know, it's tough for contenders like Houston and New York. They can't really go for those big money guys because they already have money flying out their wallets to other players. So, I mean, you got to look at the rising teams. Like, you know, we said Chicago, they're rising. Tampa Bay, it's like they're, you know, they're rising. I don't know because if you you look at the rising teams in the AL, they're kind of questionable franchises. Oakland, Tampa Bay, you know, they – they, they, they're on the up, but I'm not sure how long they're going to stay. Like how far they could keep going up. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if this is just like a, like 15 minutes of fame kind mm-hmm. of thing. But like it, it all depends on where JD's head's at. You know, do you yeah. want to take a pay cut and pursuit for another ring in Boston? Uh, you know, a great fit for you. Or do you want to get the paycheck and also have a ch- maybe in the future wait a little bit and then you have another chance at a title run? So I don't know. Yeah, I think it, it's definitely going to be something to watch. I think everyone's going to be paying attention to what the Red Sox are doing this offseason. It's definitely the the front forefront of offseasons, front office offseasons, and 
player movement off seasons to watch in a long time, especially for, for Boston. But speaking about like where the guy's head is at, I feel like if JD does end up opting out, the Red Sox may ride out the Mookie Betts contract. I feel like if like you just look at a guy like Mookie Betts, you look at him like after he hits a home run, he's smiling, looking at the dugout, Mr. Smile in Boston. Um, and just the amount of talent and like you've, I've, you've heard him speak about his love for the city and how much he loves playing in Boston and at Fenway and for the fans. Um, I think he's one of those guys that I tr- I would trust him in in a free agency situation. If I know it's I'm not going to have any say in the matter, but if you look at what Mookie Betts has done for Boston, how the how the people of Boston treat Mookie Betts, he's one of those guys that he wants to be there, and the fans obviously want him there. Um, it's definitely going to be expensive. I mean, we know that's a fact, especially coming off a World Series title, MVP, Gold Glove, Silver Slugger, all the war- awards you can think of. For Mookie Betts, he's gonna he's gonna get more in his near future. Just beginning to to start his prime, a homegrown product of the Red Sox farm system, co- coming all the way up um, from from single A to double A to triple A to to the Boston Red Sox and to becoming a World Series champion. I I trust Mookie Betts if JD ends up opting out to to go play another year in Boston. We we know he's gonna be an offensive performer, outfield stud next year, because um, that's just what Mookie Betts does. That's who he is. It's what he's easily like defined himself as carved out his little niche in, in, in the, the big leagues. He is going to be a, I believe he's going to be a contributing factor to the Red Sox this next season. I do think he will be, his name will be thrown around, thrown around by um, the new management at the winter meetings this, this in a few months or so, but I don't think there's, I don't think anybody's going to be, has enough to offer the Red Sox to, to really sway them to, to selling Mookie bets, especially if, he still wants to play in Boston for one more year and ride that out, go down with the ship, ride out um, into the sunset, whatever it may be. But I, I trust Mookie Betts to test free agency and maybe end up find his way back into Boston. Yeah, um, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying, that same path. It's just, you know, of course, this upcoming season is going to be mm-hmm. a big, you know, point uh, to see because, you know, if we have another bad season, that could definitely affect Mookie's decision. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if we're in the playoffs making making moves like the last couple of years, then, you know, maybe that, that definitely affects the decision. And also, you know, what is the – not just Mookie's side, but, you know, the actual Red Sox organization. We're without – you know, we just got rid of our GM. I doubt we get a new GM, and the first thing he does is trade away mm-hmm. Mookie Betts right. out of nowhere. Like, that's a pretty bold move. <laughs> yeah. But I think the, the thing they just got to do is – you know, write down a num- uh, a number on the piece of paper, slide it over the bets, be like, this is what we can do, take it or leave it. And, you mm-hmm. know, then it's just up to Mookie at that point. And I think, you know, as you said, he's he loves the city, he loves the team, and if he really does, then he'll take a, you know, a pay cut and uh, to be here. Yeah, especially he's got that arbitration coming up. He's likely to make north of $25 million for one season this year. Uh, but keeping him is not out of the question. I've I feel like everyone that is is looking at base at it from a baseball perspective expects Mookie Betts to be traded the, in the offseason, but no one is giving any attention to like what if the Red Sox continue to put up the same numbers that they did last year and play basically 500 baseball for the majority of the season. Um, dealing him at the deadline is not out of the question yet either. We know Mookie Betts is going to put up amazing offensive numbers, uh, and that may make him even more valuable when when it comes to the trade deadline. You look at how. Um, 
the Arizona Diamondbacks acquired J.D. Martinez be- right before the deadline or how the Houston Astros acquired Justin Verlander just before, like seconds before the deadline. Um, that ma- that really put them over to- the top to winning their, their first World Series. Um, but yeah, dealing Mookie Betts at the deadline is what I likely see as the, the most probable chance. But all these dominoes have to fall into place, like J.D. Martinez opting out in two weeks um, for that to even be a possibility. Um, but like you were talking about the new management, it would be a ballsy move as a first move to to come into Boston, get your desk, get your corner corner office, and say, "See a Mookie Betts. Let's get a let's get some prospects and a first rounder in here and, and see what happens, and um, just develop that farm system." I cannot see that happening whatsoever, especially with uh, Dave Dombrowski on his way out, and it it would shock the. I would be absolutely shocked, and it would shock the nation, shock the world, shock Boston if. We hired some some big name manager or um, president of operations to come in, and he dealt Mookie Betts right away and started clearing house the same way Derek freaking Jeter did in in Miami. <laughs> we can't have that in Boston. That, that won't fly. But even even if the if Mookie Betts and JD find themselves playing in uniforms that aren't white and red next season, um, the offense is going to be fine. We've talked about this a million times. Uh, up and comers, up like new bats. And Christian Vasquez learned how to hit a baseball this season. Rafael Devers is a superstar. Xander Bogarts is a superstar. Andrew Benintendi likely won't have the slump that he did last year, and he'll, he's likely to be back and um, ready to start hitting the baseball again. He had a tough year coming off the World Series win, but um, the offense is going to be completely fine no matter what happens. This team will be in contention for a wild card spot, maybe even the division again, depending on what happens. The rest of the offseason, especially in New York and Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay has a lot of money they can spend. So they might find uh, the guy that beat them in game five and Garrett Cole um, lining his way down there. But moving on to finish up the Red Sox talk today on the Sox and Four podcast, Stephen Wright is released. He's no longer a part of the Boston Celtics. It came out a few days ago that the, the nut, I think, right-handed knuckleballer um, found himself out of Boston, found himself out at $1.5 million contract for next season. Um, the Red Sox are going to swallow that and send him to the curbside. What do you think about this move, getting rid of Stephen Wright? Um, I, I think it's just a matter – it was a matter of time. Yeah. Obviously, I, he was on he was on the All-Star team like 2015 or 2016. So he, Yeah, 2016. He yeah, he definitely was a, you know, a good pitcher at the time, but – you know, as things went on, he, you know, his game kind of decreased. He had some off the field mm-hmm. issues and it was, you know, I think it was mutual of like, it's time to just part ways. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he did, he did do some good things for the team a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. So, you know, I, you just got to respect that, I guess. I just for some numbers, these are off the top of my head. You, you have to fact check me on these ones, but I'm pretty sure this season he was, I know he was suspended for 80 games because of performance-enhancing drugs, so that cost him half the season already. Some injury issues, and then he... First off, how are you getting injured while you're taking performance-enhancing drugs? Come on. like That's supposed to like keep you in the game instead of pull you back out of it. Um, but he appeared in four games this, this season. I'm pretty sure he gave up four or five home runs. His knuckleball doesn't exist anymore. Um, knuckleball is hard to catch as a catcher already. you got to put a massive glove on the size of a, a watermelon. Um, but Stephen Wright is gone. I think one of his career highlights in Boston, definitely that all-star team um, that saw like eight or nine Boston Red Sox. I almost said Boston Celtics for some reason. Boston Red Sox finding their way to the all-star game in San Diego because that was Big Poppy's last year. Brock, Brock Holt was on that team. Stephen Wright was on that team. Um, 
but yeah, that was one of his career highlights in Boston. All besides probably getting a World Series ring last year, wasn't I? Don't think he was on the active roster for the World Series. But I would say, do you remember? I think it was a Bank of America commercial a few years ago, right when Chris Sale got traded to Boston. It was Chris Sale, David Price, and Stephen Wright on in an ice cream truck. They were trying to figure out how they should introduce Chris Sale to the fans of Boston. And it is probably one of the best Red Sox commercials I've ever seen where Chris Sale offers to give free ice cream to all the kids of Boston. And he's like, and the kids are asking how much, like, what's the price and how much does it cost? And says, don't worry about it. It's on sale. But, <laughs> but how much does it cost? Probably one of the funniest commercials in of recent Red Sox history, besides the, the, what the Eck and, when we had our, our boy Spike King and GRD uh, with Ace Ticket talking about what, what the heck Dennis Eckersley was talking about. But I encourage you guys, look up the, the, the Chris Sale, David Price, Stephen Wright, Bank of America ice cream truck commercial. It is comedy gold. I also think um, back in, um, what, like 2017 when the wind dance repeat was a thing. Mm-hmm. I remember, I think Red Sox like Twitter tweeted out this video of, all the outfielders in like the like a, a meeting in like a boardroom. Oh, yes. Yeah. And then they look down the hallway, and it's just Stephen Wright and like Wally doing the dance. I was yep. like, that, that was that was a that was a good time. It all starts from somewhere. Those were fun yeah. times. I'm just thinking like I'm getting nostalgic about the Red Sox. Just looking back at those teams. Those were when I was in high school, and just thinking about those teams and how fun they were to watch. They didn't win anything for a while, but those those teams were fun to watch. They had fun with it. Um, definitely didn't feel that at all this year, just to, to put it on a, a sad, a sad note, but it was, it was, uh, not a fun time this year, especially playing 500 baseball, barely five wins above. It's just, it's just weird to feel like, like, you know, entering the postseason, it's just like, wow, the Red Sox, we have no Red Sox baseball to watch, you know, I know consecutive playoff runs and division titles. It's like, I think, I think I might've talked about this on our last show, but. I have been this. I'm a senior in college. This is the first time one of the Boston teams has not made playoffs since I've been here. It's kind of crazy to think about. The Bruins have made it the last three years. the The Patriots have been in the Super Bowl the last three years. the The Celtics have been in playoffs the last three, four years, I think. Um, and this is the first time the Red Sox have missed playoffs since was it 2014? I think the I think I think so. It was after the World Series win. Um, but yeah, so that'll that'll conclude our, our Sox talk for the day. Contractually obligated, as as the name implies, to talk about the Boston Red Sox, especially during the offseason, even with the World Series right around the corner. Um, some fun news coming out of Major League Baseball today and the video game world. Javier Baez is the cover athlete of MLB The Show um, 2020, which is very exciting. Have you ever played the show? Oh, uh, yeah, no, I, I have a PlayStation. I, okay. I, in like a couple of years ago, I bought a PlayStation just so I could play. Okay, dang. Yeah. We, might have, we might have to play together sometime. I, I, <laughs> I, that game's just fun, like playing the career mode or um, the what's, what's the mode where you can't? It's like it redrafts every player from Major League Baseball history. It's like an all-time draft, and you can play it at like – you can use them as a real team. Oh, it's uh... – it's like, it's like a fran- or yeah. It's it's like the franchise mode in in Madden, where literally any player is available. It's like an automated fantasy draft, and Babe Ruth always ends up at the top. Mike Trout's always up there. Um, Randy Johnson, those type of guys, and it's like redrafted. They end up on any team in baseball, and you just get to play. You can play an entire season with them. You can play all 162 or simulate 
all of them and maybe play one a series, but it's fun. If you if you end up drafting a team, I've played this. It's probably one of the only modes I've played in there. Um, but I I played with this just super team. We had like our outfield consisted of of Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, and Charlie Blackman. Um, and we just I don't think that we ever lost a game. We pit, I I'm pretty sure I pitched like seven no hitters in a row and just like setting all kinds of records. Like every team setting records. It's just it's it's a fun game just to to mess around with. It's kind of like a sandbox, like that kind of thing. You can do anything in in that game, and I I definitely enjoy that game. I'm also glad it's um, Javi Baez because he mm-hmm. he's just one of the young like one of Absolutely. the best players to watch up and coming, especially after last year's cover where I was expecting it to be a red yeah. sock. I mean, like wow. after a the World Series, you give it to Bryce Harper, who he, like one day announced that he didn't even have a team yet. I know <laughs> that's that was crazy. So stupid. Um, but, yeah. yeah, definitely a fun thing, especially Javier Baez. Definitely deserved it. That guy is fun to watch. One of the best defensive shortstops in the National League. Um, he does play shortstop, right? I'm not thinking. Of, yeah, he does play shortstop. Yeah, he does. Um, but some of the picks that guy has, some of the clutch hits he has for Chicago, I think. It is crazy looking back. Like I know we've been talking about 2016 a little bit. Looking back at the Chicago team from a few years ago that won the World Series, how it's really built around Chris Bryant, and now Chris Bryant's on the same on like on the trading block the same way Mookie Betts is. Um, and now I think that Chicago Cubs team is going to probably build around Javier Baez. He's their future. That guy is very good. Uh, I I would expect him to get a contract very similar. I don't know what his contract situation is. I haven't I haven't researched that enough. But I would definitely expect him to get one very close, um, maybe even surpassing the one um, that Xander Bogart signed in house um, with the Boston Red Sox a few months ago, right before the season started. Or was that that was like mid season? When did Bogey sign that one? It was like, it was like yeah, it was like the first month of the season or something. Okay, yeah. Maybe trying to remember the timeline because I, I remember where I was when I saw the news I just don't know when it was <laughs> yeah um let's move on to some postseason baseball talk what an exciting postseason this has been so far starting with the the, the wild card games all the way up to to the National League Championship Series and the, the American League Championship Series every series has basically been somewhat of what we expected a lot of surprises um especially on the national league side i would say the american league side is basically what we saw coming for majority of the season um with starting with the just breezing over the american league wild card game between the tampa bay rays in the american league east and the oakland athletics in the american league west going at it in oakland oakland hosting the the wild card game for the first time in probably a long time because i know they've been visiting a lot of stadiums for their recent postseason successes and not even postseason successes, regular season successes that don't transfer into the postseason um, and getting eliminated in the first round every year. But Oakland Athletics losing to Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay would move on to face the Houston Astros and give them all, basically all they could handle taking that series, the one of the four series that ended up going to five games um, with Garrett Cole pinch, pitching the fifth game clutch and bringing the Astros to the American League Championship. And then also other side of the, the American League Divisional Series, the New York Yankees taking on the Minnesota Twins and what was a bludgeoning. It looked like the Twins had some fight in them, but in the long run, getting swept by the bashing team just it's just insane to look at what the Minnesota Twins were able to do in the regular season. The uh, the home run records they set, they 
they will always have not always for for the time being like the home run record for regular season baseball like the most home run hitting team in major league baseball history i would put the house that that record is broken and with a month left in the season next year just the way just the the offensive um revolution in in major league baseball with the long ball because chicks chicks dig the long ball so that record is is bound to be broken next year i think the minnesota twins had eight nine players that all hit 20 plus home runs this season um, which was also another home run record in Major League Baseball, but in the long run, they they started hitting. It looked they had the lead for a few um, against the New York Yankees, but in, in the long run, got swept in three games to advance the Yankees to the American League Championship. And the only DS series that went three games and did not go five games. What do you think about the American League side of it up to the ALCS so far? <laughs> um, I'm I just putting it out there like the Minnesota Twins just very disappointing like mm-hmm. I thought you know we were gonna you know maybe see an upset I was definitely putting you know all my chips on the Twins to actually do something in the postseason I think, I think a lot of Red Sox fans were <laughs> yeah so I mean because the last couple of postseason appearances they've had were just the wild card game and you know one and done so they actually and, had a and they looked like they were gonna win that game too they had a, yeah. a leadoff home run in that game against the Yankees and it seemed like they had control and yeah, exactly. Oh. So it's like, I don't know. I think the main problem with the Twins is, you know, we talked about their historic offense, but when it comes down to the postseason, um, if the, even if that offense is, you know, putting up eight runs or they're getting shut out, it all comes down to pitching. And mm-hmm. the last five years, you know, the, these recent Twins teams, they haven't had, you know, this great, like any great pitching, no big names. I mean, game two, didn't they have like, a for, uh, Uber driver, like a former. Oh Uber. yeah, I forgot what his name was, but he was yeah. pitching at Yankee yeah, Stadium like, and they like we don't rated him. Game. We don't yeah. even know his name, and he started in Game Two in the divisional mm-hmm. series. Like that's just not the formula to beat the New York Yankees. So exactly. they have to go back to the drawing board, I guess. And um, for the rest of the American League playoffs, I mean, it was as you said, basically chalk. The Astros <laughs> and the Yankees were just on a collision course with each other. And the the ALCS was very memorable. It reminded me of um, 2017, two years ago, when the Astros won again. And you know, it was it was great to watch. Yeah. Um. Back to the 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 ALDS between the Yankees and the Twins. I feel like it, at this point, it's got to be a mental thing for for the Minnesota Twins. Um. I know I talked I talked to a few Twins fans at work this this past week, and it, them explaining what the New York Yankees were to them was really funny to me because. <laughs> As a Red Sox fans, we've definitely had the best of them for the last ten years or so. But seeing the like the sadness of a Twins fan talking about the Yankees, they they they're not they don't even hate the Yankees. They dislike them. I know that like they've been eliminated by the Yankees probably the last five six times the Twins have even made the playoffs, and it's always the Yankees sending them packing at the end of the day. But um, I think it's got to be a mental thing. Like you see the teams that are uh, see a Minnesota Twins team, and every time you make the playoffs on the other side of the like in your bracket, it's the New York Yankees, and you can't ever get past them. It has to be a mental thing at this point um, for the Minnesota Twins. It's really tough to watch. <laughs> it's really sad for them <laughs> with a, yeah. with a team so historically good with the the home run ball. Um, but like you're talking about that American League championship, holy cow! What a series. Um, I was definitely worried towards the end. If you talk about game six, what a game um, between both opposing pitchers, the offensives, the, the clutch hits, 
um, with the the what home run from Yuli Gurriel? Was it a three run shot? I didn't watch the first five innings yeah, of the game. It was like I think it was a three run shot in like the first three, one of the first yeah. three innings, you know, early. So that game was fun to watch at the end, especially I was I was convinced that the the Astros were going to win it in the top of the ninth and not even have to play the bottom frame of the inning. But DJ LeMahieu's two-run home run, probably the clutchest hit in recent Yankee history, um, considering they have had nothing to cheer for for the last 10 years, which has been a blessing. Um, but that hit, that one shook That one shook me. I was so surprised. They were, what, I was pretty sure it was, was it one out, two out? I know, I think Aaron Judge was on base with a hit. Yeah, I think it was like, there was like one out in the inning, maybe. So, yeah. I think LaMachie went jumbo to tie it up. It was crazy. Yeah, it reminded me seeing seeing Springer jump on the wall reminded me of uh, Mookie last night. Oh, yeah. But then didn't snag it like Mookie did. But I feel every time we're gonna watch a postseason series in Houston, when it's that electric, the crowd is buzzing, and there's a fly ball hit to right field in the minute made park, everyone's gonna reminisce about the, the yeah. call against or, or for Mookie bets. Yeah. Or um what was uh, yeah the uh, the Brantley catch where he he made wow. that scooping yeah. diving catch I was like that's that's like Ben and Tendy right there that was that was probably that was the defensive play of the series by far like I might have been able to think about one before that but once that Brantley catch happened and he gunned it to first base to to um, erase Aaron Judge was special that's when I I feel like that game was pretty closely contended even though the Astros did have the lead when that happened I feel like that was that was definitely the turning point that gave the Astros the the, hey we're gonna do this we're gonna finish this thing today even though the Yankees did end up tying it up that was the mentality that was the the play that really set the attitude like changed the um the rest of the game really especially with the Yankees tying it up in the ninth inning yeah I I think like even though we all thought the Astros were just gonna end it in the top of the ninth, mm-hmm. it kind of made it sweeter to see Altuve, you know, just yeah. walk it off against the Yankees. Because you know, you see on Twitter all the Yankees fans, all the Yankees fans going, "What's up? Like, oh, What's up? Talk game now. Seven, here we go. Game seven. Get ready go. for we're seven. Back. It's happening. Well, the Bronx Bombers are over. back. And Guess then, what? Yankees went home. Yeah, like not even ten minutes later. Altuve just blasted. I love that so much. Just like I was, like I'm on Twitter looking at the highlights and everything because I missed the game, most of the game up to that point. But I'm on Twitter and just I'm I look up and just the like that was a long at bat. That was probably a ten nine pitch at bat, just fouling him off, staying alive until he got the pitch. I don't know what it was, but he took it jumbo. And Yankee Twitter, the Yankees Twitter's like, it's a whole new ball game. Watch (laughs) out. Houston, you got a freaking problem. Don't let us get hot now. And not like you said, ten minutes later, just Yankees fan. Like I remember, do you remember the? I don't even know who the guy was from. It was in Yankee Stadium. Chapman was in to close, oh, and Rafael Devers uh, took him deep. Yep. A video of himself, and he's, then uh, yeah, I'll do my best. Smiling, like, and then his face is like, just oh. ready. Uh oh. Here we go, Chapman. he's just looking around like he's looking for an answer it's like it's like stadium's a little buzzing like yankee stadium definitely buzzes um 
for postseason baseball and even against that wasn't even postseason that was just against rival Red Sox um but seeing that man's soul disappear from his body that's the only thing I could think of about because he was so excited and that video I'm we might we got to post that video to to hot corner again with with the with the Altuve home run um (laughs) but that that ninth inning was fun I it was definitely like a little bit like concerning after the 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 two-run shot for for LeMahieu but when when Altuve hit that, I was up. I was hands up. I was I was so happy uh, that the Yankees had were gonna have to pack their bags. They were going home. Um, and I think the funniest thing I saw a tweet. Someone had an an inter, or reporter had interviewed Alex Bregman, and he said like, game six, and he said that coming into that game, we knew that you guys would be watching football tomorrow, which is really funny considering game seven with Garrett Cole on the mound would have been slated for for Sunday night um, in Houston to close out the series for a winner take all that didn't happen Jose Altuve had something else to say about it and I feel like someone in that series could have had someone could have hit five home runs in that series and Jose Altuve's home run would have just eliminated them from ALCS MVP like the conversation entirely like um, I don't I'm pretty sure Springer probably had two three four five RBI someone probably had more than that um, yeah. But what Jose Altuve was able to do in that series, especially at the very on the very last pitch of the series, um, to win the American League was fantastic, and he definitely deserved every um, every piece of that award that he got for for winning the American League, for winning the American League um, American League Championship Series MVP, not the American League MVP, because that's opposite him at the third base side. Probably, you think. Speaking of the Astros, do you think um, Alex Bregman has it? has enough like offensive numbers and the statistics to, to dethrone Mike Trout from that MVP spot that he looked like he was going to win for the entire season? Um, I definitely think there's, you know, an argument to be had mm-hmm. of that conversation. But at the end of the day, it's, it's safe to say it, put your money on Mike Trout because, you know, it's Mike Trout. Like, it's Mike on, Trout, so. the best player in baseball still. It's, but it's, a safe bet. it's the same reason Mookie Betts will end up, ended up winning the, the award two years ago or – last year um, because Mike Trout went down with injury, giving like opening the door for, for another player to, to step to the occasion and basically win the war battle. I feel like the, the wins above replacement is the number in baseball right now. It's like the hot, sexy number that everyone looks to for if this player is good or not. And Alex Bregman surpassed um, Mike Trout in war on the very last day of the season with point. I'm pretty sure he's like 0.1 wins above replacement better than Mike Trout this season, considering Mike Trout missed the last month or so of the season, but I, I would, I'd, there's definitely an argument. I think there was um, some chatter about it, but in the long run, for majority of the season, for 140 games, Mike Trout was in the front, in the driver's seat. Everyone expected Mike Trout to win. Um, I don't even know how many he's got, third, fourth MVP in the last six, seven years, and Alex Bregman had something to say about it. He uh, definitely started the conversation with the numbers he put up in the last ha- uh, last half of the season, last two weeks of the season, especially to surpass Mike Trout. I think it was really cool. It's like a buzzer beater in basketball. Uh, very last day of the season because war takes a while to calculate and whatnot. Um, but once the season ended, you look back and you're like, oh, there's a new guy at the top of the war leaderboard. And it's his name is Alex Bregman, and he's, he's playing for a team that's actually contending for the World Series right now um, as opposed to – Mike Trout over in, in Anaheim. Speaking of Anaheim, why not? We'll talk about Joe Madden to the 
to the Anaheim Angels. It's where he started his managerial career, um, his coaching career out in Anaheim before he got a, a full-time gig in, in Tampa Bay. But Joe Madden going home, lead the ho- hopefully lead a new charge for, for the up-and-coming Anaheim Angels, I think. I think it's a good move. I think it's kind of an in-house move, bring a guy back that knows the system, um, really developed some. I don't know if there's a lot of young players left there um, that – um, are probably now veterans that Madden maybe coached when they were there. Um, not sure, but I think having a new manager is definitely a good move for the, for the Angels. I, I don't think it was fair to Brad Ausmus, though. He was the, the manager last season, um, considering the injuries to Shohei Otani, to, to, to Mike Trout. I don't think it was fair for him to be in there for one season and then boot it to the door uh, 162 games later, considering their record, it wasn't pretty. They were below 500 all season long. Um, but can, if you have the, the best player in baseball, you gotta, you gotta be able to, to do something with them. And I think a change, change of face may, may end up helping the angels in the long run. Yep. Back to, back to the postseason. Where were we? ALCS Jose Altuve's walk-off home run. If you haven't already, Check out the the Hot Corner Instagram page and look at all the highlights of that game. Dan was was awesome enough to cover that game, um, as well as I put together a a fun little hype video to get get us all excited for the World Series coming up tomorrow night or today, um, if you're watching it on Tuesday, listening on Tuesday. World Series starts in Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas, tomorrow night against the Washington Nationals. Should be a should be a really fun fall classic, one for the ages. Um, definitely one that's definitely contested more so than they've been in the last few seasons. You look at last year's Boston Red Sox. We love them. You love them. Um, that team was dominant. That team was favored to win the world series from the all-star break and on, and they delivered on their promise. You look at the the upcoming fall classic this year between the, the Nats and the Astros. Houston is a heavy favorite and it's, they're the heaviest favorites, um, in a world series. I think it's, almost two to one odds basically um, that Houston has to, to win this, this coming series. That's the biggest, biggest margin of, of favoritism since our 2007 Boston Red Sox, 2000, I think I got it. 2007 Boston Red Sox. Um, but I don't think they should be that big of favorites. What do you think? Um, I think it's just disrespectful. after uh-huh. the the postseason that Nationals put up, they then just sneak their way in. They, you know, did a great series against the Dodgers, and they just murdered the Cardinals in that yeah. the NLCS. Like, they just made quick work of them. And, mm-hmm. you know, they've been we're, – we're, we've been talk, busy talking about the ALCS. The Nationals have been at home watching it on their TV, TVs they, for, like – That series was really over before the ALCS had even started. because you look at the game one and two, what the nationals were able to do in St. Louis, nonetheless, um, to win the first two games on the road, come back and finish the job at nationals park was insane. Um, game one of the ALCS started the night following game two of the NLCS. Um, I'm not sure who the pitchers were, but it was, it was Annabelle Sanchez who had the no hit bid. And then Max Scherzer with the no hit bid into the eighth inning again, um, seeing what those, just seeing what those two guys were able to do before Patrick Corbin, before Steven Strasburg had even touched the field, um, was crazy. Even though I think Strasburg did have a relief appearance, 
um, in game two prior to his start, kind of similar to what Alex Cora was doing, like the um, kind of like the flex guy, the guy that's the the start of the next day, getting like just doing his bullpen session yeah. in a real game situation. Um, but these two teams are probably some of the most evenly matched. This game could easily go, or this series could easily go seven games, um, and will go down as one of the great. Um, fall classics I think it'll be probably the best one since I wouldn't consider that the Dodgers Astros series of 17 one of the better ones even though it did end up going seven seven games in a decider at the very end of it I think it'll be the best World Series in the last five years looking back to the 2016 when the Chicago Cubs won it against the Cleveland Indians I think it's got that potential to be one of the best World Series of recent memory considering the the starting pitching on either side you look at Sanchez Sanchez like He's getting no love. This guy almost no hit game one of the National League Championship. Um, and he's he's their probably game three starter at this point. You got Max Scherzer, who has turned into a postseason stud, getting his first World Series action since 2006. 2006 when he was with the Detroit Tigers, uh, which is even insane to just look at the comparisons. Um, that 2006 Tigers team consisted of... Justin Verlander, who was very young, and Max Scherzer, who was also very young. And those those guys, oh, man, that's crazy. Um, just even think about that. That should be a matchup of the ages. I wish they had. I wish they were able to pitch against each other. I'm pretty sure Scherzer's going game, Scherzer's going game one, right? In the yeah. World Series? And then, I think Verlander's going game two. Okay. Right now. See, that would have been, been a fun storyline. Um, teammates, those guys were teammates with Rick Porcello, um, a few other guys. Annabelle think, Sanchez was on that team too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like around 2012, 2013. Uh-huh. 2013, yeah. Um, but yeah, this World Series is going to be fun. Let's talk about the Nationals for a second. What a run for the Nationals! I'm not sure if they're the first team since 07 to to make the the World Series um, following a, a wild card win, but they're on a roll. Um, there's, I know there's a specific date in May. If you look back that the nationals have the best record in baseball, one game better than the Houston Astros from that point to where we're at today, um, uh, getting ready for the world series tomorrow night, the nationals should not be slept on. And the nationals, I know Pedro Martinez said at the beginning, beginning of the postseason. I know the spike King said at the beginning of the season, and I just kind of brush them off. Like, Oh, that's just something they have to say. Like, the Nationals are going to shock the world, and indeed they have. Nobody had them making it this far. I, it's, it's insane what they've been able to do, especially when you look at the, the departures of Bryce Harper this, this past offseason and the ghosts of past that the Nationals have had the last few years combined. We, the, the Instagram TV video that we dropped um, that shows the Cubs advancing to the, to, to the NLCS over the Nationals and the Dodgers advancing to the NLCS over the Nationals. Um, this team has had some ghosts. It has had some skeletons in the closet, but you can throw all that out the door now. Bryce Harper's hit the door now. This Nationals team is here to stay. They will be contending for a World Series, not just this year. This team is going to probably contend for that division next year as well um, against the Braves. You see what what the, the Cardinals were able to do against the Braves in, in, in the DS this year. That, that division is going to be one to watch considering the, the great teams you have. I'm not sure if you can throw the Phillies into that mix yet, but the Braves are going to be back. They're so young. Um, they still still have some maturing to do. I think that's what what their ultimate downfall was in this this year's postseason. But seeing the the Phillies, like I said, I don't think they're 
going to be close to contention yet. I think they're still a few pieces away, a few years of maturation uh, before they can get there. And then the Nationals are definitely here to stay, especially if Anthony Rendon ends up re-signing with the Nats. I know he was offered a very, very, uh, um, I don't even know the word, expensive deal to stay in Washington. One a little cheaper than what they offered Bryce Harper, but they want they want Anthony Rendon there. He's a fun guy, um, and he is definitely in the National League MVP conversation this year. Uh, was like, he is the he is the NL MVP candidate that nobody talked about. Nobody even knew who Anthony Rendon was before um, his four run home run game. I think two seasons ago when Bryce Harper was still with the team, and he just overshadowed Bryce Harper just overshadowed that immensely, but. Since you don't have Harper any there, Harper there anymore, you kind of have a, the spotlight shown on the entire team and not just on one guy. You look at guys that have stepped to the plate. Juan Soto this postseason, he's putting up offensive numbers that nobody has before. Like Rafael Devers had some unreal postseason numbers last year's in last year's postseason at age 22, and Juan Soto has matched that and then one upped it this year, um, leading that team past the Brewers in the wild card game with one of the most clutch hits I've ever seen. Um, in the wild card game thus far but that kid is something special and they've got him under team control very similar to to what the red sox have in rafael devers just young studs young offensive numbers they can play defense um a little bit juan soto is definitely better at defense than than our boy devers but um the young core that they have and the nationals being the oldest team in baseball you look at howie kendrick hitting a grand slam in the 10th inning versus the Dodgers to to advance them to the world or to the National League Championship Series. And him winning MVP, hitting 10-plus RBIs, I'm pretty sure, uh, at least 10 RBIs in that series to, to down the Dodgers, his former club. But that Nationals team, is it's old. It's got the young stars on it. But they are here to stay, and they are ready to make some noise like they already have, and they're ready to finish the fight versus the Houston Astros. And they use the same mantra that anyone who's played Houston the last few years has, and Houston, you've got a problem. And I think I think Houston definitely has to do their homework. They definitely have to understand, like, this is not going to be easy. We may be – because if, if they even get a whiff of what the numbers are considering how heavily a favorite they are – that's when it can start going downhill. The number I think about is the Patriots being like four to one favorites to win the, the the Super Bowl against the Eagles once they knew the matchup and they knew the numbers and it they ended up not winning. But you look at what the Nationals, the underdogs, heavy underdogs, biggest since the Colorado Rockies in 07, like we said, they are going to make some noise and they're going to give the Astros a run for their money and likely one of the best World Series we've seen in a long time. This national team has just been fun to watch, and I, I've said it on the on the hot corner page. I'm a I'm a Nat stand. I'm backing the Nats all the way. Uh, they have been exciting. They have been fun. They are making noise. They have some of the best pitching I've ever seen. Um, what do you do? You think who do you think you'll be backing? Are you just rooting for a good series this this year? I mean, obviously, I gotta root for a good series because you know just. Mm-hmm. Interpa- entertainment factor but if i have yeah. to pick a side I, it's got to be the nationals i mean mm-hmm. i haven't seen a wild card team with this firepower and you know this pitching staff like yeah. probably ever and you know it, it's crazy like a, a team like this can just uh, make a run out of nowhere i mean i was doing research on it a couple days ago i believe some point in may like you brought up they were looking they were plenty of games under 500 
and they mm-hmm. had like maybe a seven percent chance to even make the postseason. I, yeah, they they were I think nineteen and thirty one at one point, and since I think since that date is when they've had the best record in baseball um, to get into the clinch the wild card game and then eventually make it to the freaking World Series from from the wild card role. Um, speaking about pitching, just the starting pitching in this series alone. I know we've touched on it briefly, but looking at the, just the Nationals side from Annabelle Sanchez to Max Scherzer to Steven Strasburg to Patrick Corbin, and then on the Houston side, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, both those guys are going to be competing for the, for the American League Cy Young. They could even give out co-Cy Youngs. I would be, I'd be very um, thrilled if that was the case because both those guys have carried that team. Garrett Cole has been literally unbeatable this year. But the starting pitching in this World Series is going to be one for the ages. It is the best starting pitching, I think, since the 2001 World Series between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the New York Yankees. That World Series featured the Cy Young winners from both sides of the American League and National League with Kurt Schilling, with Randy Johnson, with Andy Pettit, with Roger Clemens, and even out of the bullpen, uh, Mariano Rivera closing out every single game of that series. Um, and before eventually giving up a walk-off run or walk-off single to, to end Game 7 and give the Arizona Diamondbacks their only World Series in franchise history, three years after their, their incarnation. But this will be definitely one of the best World Series. If you're a fan of starting pitching, watch every game of this series because it could end up being 1-0 every single night. Um, both sides are going to have to do anything they can to produce a run as as Often as they're going to be bunting every inning just to move a man over from from first to second. Anything they can do to get a runner in scoring position, they are going to do that in this series um, because the starting pitching will be legendary. These this is like where the legends are made, and I would be very um, I'd be very surprised if a if a starting pitcher didn't win World Series MVP this year. It hasn't happened for a while since since Madison Bumgarner won it. But I think this is the year that a World Series MVP is a starting pitcher from one of these two sides, whoever ends up winning it. Yep. Um, I just think it, it's just crazy that, you know, they're, I, I, was, I remember watching a, a Phillies uh, Nationals game in like early April. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was Bryce Harper's return to D.C. for the first time in a Phillies uniform. He, he went deep. He had a great game. Yeah. And the Phillies pounced on the Nationals. I was like, okay, the Nationals are definitely, you know, dead ducks. Yeah, they're, they're going to be in a, you know, a, a dark hole for the next couple of years. And the mm-hmm. Phillies are on the come up. And then months later, look at where we are now, where it's the total mm-hmm. opposite. You, it's really hard to to talk about what the Nationals have done this year and not mention, like you said, Bryce Harper in the entire situation. Once he left in free agency. Um, for 13 years and $330 million with the Philadelphia Phillies. But the ghost that that guy will have hanging over his shoulder about what he wasn't able to do, being the the strikeout victim for, for game five in the, the NLDS uh, against the Chicago Cubs, I'm pretty sure. You might have to fact check me on that one. Uh, but swinging out striking against the Chicago Cubs to send the Cubs to the, the NLCS before eventually being eliminated there to the Dodgers. But the... The ghosts that Bryce Harper is going to have are pretty significant considering the, how far he's made it with that team winning 90-plus games and winning the division in a few years, uh, but being eliminated every single year that the Nationals ever made the playoffs, um, never winning an elimination game. 
it's really it's going to be tough for Bryce Harper uh, to lead that Phillies team, especially like having that looking over his shoulder. Um, you got to turn that into a chip on his shoulder. You got to understand like now this like this is Bryce Harper's team. You're no one's looking at the Philadelphia Phillies and saying, "No, nah, it's Jake Arrieta's team." It's I don't even who else is on the Phillies. It's it's Bryce Harper's team. That's why they brought him there for 13 years. Um, that's what they want success there in Philly, and I, it's I don't think it's going to happen this year, but they they will. I think they will find success with Bryce Harper eventually, but um, class move by Bryce Harper as well, talking about how happy he is for the Nationals after they, they clinched the, the World Series berth this, this week, um, call, like texting his guys, calling his guys, letting them know like how happy, how proud he is of them, um, instead of like just like Grinch-style or, or Scrooge in it, where he's just like, oh, should have been me. I made the bad decision, but... Very class move by Bryce Harper to to um, call out his 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 former teammates and like those are his guys like those are his brothers those are the guys he was in the trenches with while he was in in Washington since he was drafted there really um, so very class move by him I think that video of him in his Phillies press conference as soon as he started with them is never going to go away now um, especially since it happened this off season Nationals are in the World Series and Bryce Harper mistakenly it's got to be known that he did not mean to say it whatsoever but in a Phillies hat in his new Phillies number three jersey said yeah we want to bring a title back to DC (laughs) while he's in while he's in um Citizens Bank I think that's the name of their ballpark in there in in Philadelphia but very funny moment that's never going to go away now especially (laughs) could you imagine if if the Nationals won the World Series that video would be everywhere again it's already everywhere yeah that that's just going to be turned into a gif and it's going to be Honestly, all over twitter for the back next, to dc forever yeah forever and it's that video will be like the the uh, the Yankees lose kind of thing yeah. it's just going to be everywhere like shout out Bryce Harper like we respect what you did for us thanks for bringing us a world series <laughs> sarcastically of course mm-hmm. um i i feel like it's time to make uh our picks for the world yep. series um <laughs> You, would you like to start, Dan? <laughs> uh, sure. Um, I got to think about this. You know, we, we've been talking about it. It's, it's crazy. It's a crazy matchup. Um, it's tough to pick because after those two championship series, I mean, it's hard to just pick one. You know, two impressive teams, two impressive performances. But I'm going to go with the, the Nationals in seven. I think, wow, I think okay. you know, after an incredible run like this, it's – it's going to be tough to stop them. I, I feel like the Astros are running on a kind of a high right now after an incredible game six and an incredible battle the, uh, with the Yankees that they're going to run into a wall as soon as they meet Max Scherzer game yeah. one, a well-rested uh, Scherzer Nationals team, and they're going to show them what's up. But I do think it's going to, even with I, uh, Scherzer winning game one, that's what I'm going to say. I still think it's going to go back and forth. Astros take one, Nationals take one, and you know it's going to end up going seven with the yeah. Nats winning it all. I, I'll counter you. I believe the Astros are—they are definitely a dynasty. We saw what they were able to do the last two seasons, losing in the ALCS last year, winning in the World Series the year prior to that, um, coming off back-to-back 100-loss seasons to get where they are today. This team is here to stay. Like I've said, for both clubs, the Astros are, have been there; they've done that. The Nationals, they're still enjoying postseason success. They've struggled, uh, or not struggled really, this this postseason, but they're on a hot streak. They've had a long layoff, though. That's the problem. 
So my pick, I'm choosing the the Houston Astros to win in six games. Six games. And they another another note, they will be the first team to win the World Series at home since the 2013 Red Sox did it. That's 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 my pick. So I think they'll they'll the series will go long. I think it'll go six though. I think they win it at home. Same way they won. Um, ALCS at home. I think it's, it is going to be dominant pitching. I think uh, the Nationals find a way to get a win at home, a few wins at home, impress the crowd. They get to see they won a World Series game in D.C., which will be really cool uh, for Nationals fans, especially since they will be back. They will be able to get over that hump eventually, but it's not their year. It's a wild card team. It's really tough to uh, to back them, but I do expect the Astros to finish their job against the hottest team in baseball. So my lock of the week now, lock of the week, or do you want to do your lock of the week? I got to remember mine. I wrote it down. I got to find it. <laughs> um, I think I'm a, I was originally just going to say, uh, Scherzer throws a shutout, uh, game uh, one. I think that's going to happen, but I, I'll add, you know, since it's the world series, yeah. I'll, add it. I'll add to, I think, Scherzer wins World Series MVP by he puts up another good performance Ooh. in his okay. second start, maybe game, you know, five, six, or seven, uh, one of those. So, okay. All right. My lock of the week, my it's going to be a lot broader than my previous picks, like saying guaranteeing a win here, guaranteeing a win there, guaranteeing a guy hit a home run. I guarantee a pitcher will win World Series MVP this year. Guarantee it. Book it. You look at the dominant pitching from both sides of the ball, from Scherzer. To, to Cole, to Verlander, to, to Strasburg, to Corbin. It just goes on and on and on. Any one of these guys could find themselves winning World Series MVP, most likely to be one of the guys that pitches first, like Strasburg um, or Scherzer versus Cole or Verlander. It's going to be one of those four. Guarantee it. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, needless to say, I am very excited to start watching <laughs> this fall classic starting tomorrow night, starting to, tonight if you're listening. Um it's going to be fun. I'm not excited for, for for the Joe Buck calls every year, but he he did uh, have a pretty good call for, for ALCS game six for yeah. on the double play on, on Jose Altuve's game winner, which was really fun to listen to. Um, I do believe that is one of Joe Buck's best calls of all time because he's not just saying, Jose Altuve, two-run home run. Astros going to the World Series. It's like he's yelling, like he's excited, like you could actually hear some emotion in the, the that robot's voice, which is really fun um, to listen to. I think it's going to be a fun World Series. It's going to be a, it's going to be a blast, um, and whoever comes out of it, it's going to go down as one of the best ones of recent memory. Like I said, uh, you got any any closing remarks on what this fall classic's going to look like? Um. All I'm going to say is expect fireworks. It should be a good time. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Both sides of the ball, dominant pitching, crazy offenses. It's going to be one for the ages. Um, well, thank you for listening to, to this episode of the Socks and Four podcast. Once again, we are brought to you by 1 in 100 and presented by Ride the Wave Media. Let's look forward to the World Series. Have a great week, everybody.